my money. Money. I get money from you. Money in the bank. Young money. Money, 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 money. It's the rich man's world. We have done what we have to do. He counted on America to be passive. He counted wrong. World-renowned financial advisor and best-selling author Barry James Dyke will arm you with the truth. This is The Economic Warrior. Please note, the opinions expressed on this show are of the individuals who speak them, and not necessarily of Portsmouth Community Radio, its members, or board of trustees. Well, it's a beautiful day here in Portsmouth, uh, New Hampshire, a beautiful I guess Indian summer day, would you say what it is, Will? I guess so. Yeah, but anyhow, I have a, a wonderful guest uh, here today, uh, Patrick Greenish, a longtime friend and uh, uh, a gentleman who runs the uh, St. Vincent de Paul um, Food Pantry in Hipton, New Hampshire, and we'll have him on around quarter uh, past the hour. And uh, I have on the board, I have handsome uh, Phil Clyer, our engineer, and um, so we have a, we have a good show in, in store uh, today. Phil, where can people find out more about uh, the station? They... By the way, we do we do take our, this is pure community radio, folks. This is yep. pure nonprofit. Triple uh, org, and you can click the donate now button if uh, that's the way that you feel like you want to contribute or uh, get in touch with us and volunteer. Awesome, awesome. In any event, uh, uh, but anyhow, so we have uh, I have a good friend of mine, Patrick Greenish. I've known him for a long time. He's a good friend, and he runs the St. Vincent de Paul um, Food Pantry in Hampton, New Hampshire, and. Um, uh, Pat, it's, it's it's a pleasure to have you here, and um, could you please give the audience, you know, a little bit about your background and so forth, and the, so you're a real live human being, and and, and uh, just tell us a little about yourself. Okay, uh, I did not start out in the charitable business. I actually started out in telecommunications uh, for a company that some of you may remember called MCI. I started out as a corporate attorney working in the international division. So my uh, for 40-some-odd years, I worked as a uh, uh, owning several telecom companies and working for Federal Express as their vice president of international. So my background is in international telecommunications and regulatory affairs. Um, so I had nothing, uh, no relationship with, uh, with the charitable part of the work that I do today. Yeah, yeah. What um, you know, it's a, it's a great thing what you do. So you're involved in St. Vincent de Paul, which is right by my office. But how did you pick them? Was it through church or what was it? No, it was actually sort of by coincidence. I, I currently am uh, working with several uh, people doing uh, M and A work, uh, and uh, so I'm partially retired. Uh, I was donating some clothes. Uh, I had some some business suits that I wanted to uh, to recycle, so uh, I looked up and I noticed uh, you know the available places to donate, and uh, St. Vincent de Paul, which I didn't know where it was even located uh, until I looked it up, uh, was was the closest one. So I went down and I started uh, I donated the clothes and I started talking to the uh, the people there and. Uh, and it, it just occurred to me, I was there when they were handing out food to some families, and uh, they were lacking a volunteer at the time and to help uh, 
load the uh, foods onto the to, to the clients. So I offered to uh, to pitch in, and I got to know the people, and uh, I got sucked into it. <laughs> uh, now you're the head of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, I became involved in uh, the financial assistance program that we have there uh, because of my background. Uh, so I got involved in that, and then it just uh, more and more involved in it. And it, it, volunteering, uh, when you become involved in a charitable organization, it, it's really uh, you, you can give as much. Uh, they'll take as much as you can give. And uh, it's not a question of whether I was the best for the job. It was that I was able to give more of my time than, than other people were. And uh, I think that's, that's the, uh, uh, the key is to find people who have time and are willing to spend that instead of spend, being on the golf course or doing something else to, to spend time working there to make the, the operation af- keep it afloat. Yeah, who, who, do you have a lot of volunteers, like guys who are like in retirement? Or, uh... yeah, most most of our volunteers are, what I'd say, either retired or elderly, which is a problem for us because we have a substantial amount of lifting and carrying and so forth. So uh, we're, we're constantly looking for younger people to uh, to pitch in as well. Yeah. So so, um, so the thing is, is that. Most people think of traditional food pantry is just food, but how are the ways that you serve the the community? Uh, it's not just foods. No, we we uh, well, we offer we also operate a soup kitchen, or we call it a community kitchen, out on Hampton Beach uh, in the winter months from October to May. Uh, but we also offer clothes. We have a clothes closet. Uh, and we offer financial assistance, what we call emergency assistance, to people uh, who have really run into an uh, emergency situation with they, either utility bill or rent or a sudden sickness or something like that. That they, they, most, of the, most of our clients, most of the people we help live from paycheck to paycheck. So when a blip occurs that was unexpected, they can't meet these bills. Uh, and uh, for example, if if somebody's car breaks down, but they need their car to work or to shop and so forth, but they can't afford to get the car fixed because somebody rear-ended them in a in a parking lot or something. It was no fault of theirs, or uh, their insurance won't cover it all. We try to bridge that gap just to get them back on their feet so they can earn the money to. To, to go back and uh, support their family. That's amazing. Now, now, how big is the Saint uh, Vincent, Vincent? Is that Saint Vincent de Paul? Like they're all throughout the country. Am I correct? Or yeah, it's sort of like a franchise organization. Uh, it's uh, even though it's got uh, a saint in it, it's a secular organization. Is it a secular? I didn't know that. Yeah, huh? it's connected. It's it's we're co-located with the church and, and most of the. Uh, Donors are parishioners of our, uh, our uh, of the Catholic Church, but for example, we have Jewish people, we have yeah. Protestants uh, working there, and on the board uh, in St. Vincent de Paul, Exeter, is uh, uh, several non people of other faiths. So it's truly a secular organization. 
Okay. And yeah. Food has, uh, you know, need has no religion uh, nor want. So we help everybody. Now, you're in Hampton, but what, what, what communities do you serve, Patrick? We serve all the surrounding communities. Uh, we go all the way to Seabrook, uh, Northampton, Hampton Falls, uh, of course, Hampton, Hampton Beach, Kingston, and so forth. How do you get there? Well, we don't. The customers, the clients come to us. If the client is in uh, what we call emergency need and they either need uh, transportation or a food delivery, we make an exception and go. But we don't have the uh, volunteers uh, to go and do a delivery type service. Yeah, and don't you have, isn't there, it's down um, down by the beach, you have that, was the food, is it actually a soup kitchen down there? Yeah, it's a soup kitchen and we also run a, a medical and dental uh, facility there once once a month. We don't run it. It's actually we house it. Uh, Families First uh, runs it. But it's uh, we serve approximately. Uh, well, we 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 operate five days a week, uh, and we're not the only ones who do it. We're actually supported with other organizations. We, by New Hampshire law, you can't operate. Uh, a soup kitchen five days otherwise you're considered a restaurant oh really so we actually have to get other uh, organizations to come in and cook and serve for specific nights but we serve approximately 40 clients a night uh, and we serve about 50 to 70 meals during that those uh, sessions so um, this quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of participation there and, and the organizations are they go all the way from uh, like the Chamber of Commerce or the uh, Knights of Columbus all the way to the Episcopal Church uh, to uh, the Baptist Church cook one night so it, it, it's a great community and that's why we changed the name to Community Beach Kitchen because it, so many so much support is done by the different organizations that that's amazing, Patrick. Now, this is the whole thing, and you know, we have luckily uh, we have more listeners outside the area on the internet now, but um, than we do locally. But uh, you know, we live in a really beautiful place. Uh, I think in Seacoast, New Hampshire, just as nice as anyone. And uh, um, and uh, luckily, I think most of us in this room have been around the country. But in any event, um, you know, we live in uh, a beautiful place. And um, but anyhow, so uh, but. We live in a beautiful place, and uh, I think it's as nice as anywhere. And uh, it's actually probably one of the most affluent in, uh, places uh, in the country now, too, uh, with real estate and so forth. But um, uh, but the situation seems to be more poor and needy in this whole area. I mean, may, am I wrong, Patrick? No, and, and what we've seen is that uh, in the last three years now, I've been involved uh, about 12 years in this. The last... I'd say five years, uh, we have had a tremendous uptick in uh, clients that have uh, trying struggling to uh, make ends meet. Uh, and these are people that I'd consider to be, I would have considered to be middle class people, people who had never uh, come into us almost in tears saying, you know, I've, I've never asked or needed anything from anybody. I've always been able to make ends meet. I put my kids through school and so forth. All of a sudden, uh, now I, I, I have to look somewhere else for help because I, I don't have the means to, 
to take care of the situation. And it it's just scary. It's almost like, you know, everything, you go into a, to a house and, and the floor is beautiful, but uh, and that's what I think the seacoast looks like. Everything looks beautiful, but if you raise, you know, one of the planks and find a whole different bunch of deterioration and termites and everything underneath that, that's how I feel the the, the lower and lower middle class and middle class are. They're just they're just under the surface. They're they're invisible to most people. We go about our lives, but we don't see the people who are struggling, who have, wake up wondering if they're going to be able to make this payment or wonder if they're going to be able to have the food to, to feed their kids right now. As single moms uh, and uh, older people who are on pensions and so forth, uh, we, we go into the grocery store, don't realize that uh, peppers have gone up five cents or this is uh, chicken has gone up 20 cents uh, you know we we pay the price and we buy them but for so many people those increases means i gotta buy uh, spam instead of a steak or i've got to buy doritos instead of fruit for my children and so we uh it's just the impact is invisible to so many people who have the money to survive and to live comfortably uh, and it's these people that we we see coming in, and we try very hard to get as many fresh vegetables and nutritious foods as we can, and we try to give out as as small amount of uh, processed foods and what you call junk food and so forth. Because you'll see, uh, we'll get the comment: somebody will come in for food, and they'll be overweight, and and you know somebody will say, "Well, that person doesn't eat food. Look at the size of them." And you say, well, the reason they're that size is because they're eating garbage because that's all they can afford. They don't want to be like that. That's all they can afford right now, and they're eating the worst thing because that's all they can buy. Those cookies are pretty cheap. Cookies, Doritos, uh, Twinkies, all the crap that they they, – and they have to buy those for their kids. And and it's not just the adults. It's the poor children. Yep. Pat, I mean, so you serve Hampton, Hampton Falls, uh, Northampton, Seabrook, uh, those communities. Um, how many, you know, and uh, how many families would you say you uh, you, you service? Let's we have currently about eight hundred families on our uh, on our computerized list. And, and people pretty much, re- you know, uh, depend upon you pretty regularly for for food of some sort uh, about 75 percent are repeat customers yeah so and now um now what are the, the what now what are the other ones up here uh, in up in, in portsmouth well what is it uh, would it be what's the uh what, what there's the, there's several uh in our area uh there are several food pantries there's some run by the Community Action Program in Seabrook is yeah. one. There's one in Portsmouth that's run uh, Families First. Uh, they run one, and there's some private, smaller church school uh, church programs that offer. But we're the only ones that uh, in the Hampton area that's open every day. Uh, many of them are open one day a week, yeah. uh, and we provide food for two weeks. Uh, we allow clients to come back every two weeks for food, and we try to give them enough for the to make them last those two weeks. 
we're really supposed to be a supplemental yeah. organization. I mean, when their food stamps run out or they, they just their, their paycheck runs out, we're supposed to be the organization they look to to come and, and make up that difference. Do you get more business at the end of the month? Yes, a, a large increase at the end of the month for obvious reasons, the food stamps. But they've been staggering food stamps distributions now, so it, it has kind of leveled off. Now, would it be one up by Phil? Is there a one up by you, Phil? I mean, uh, we got one in Kittery. This one in Kittery? Yes, food, yeah. Footprints. Uh, footprints? Footprints. Footprints. Yeah, we work with that organization. When we have excess meats or donations, we work with the other pantries to distribute it so it doesn't spoil. And Footprints is a great organization up in Kittery. Okay. Yeah, I think they're open a couple days a week. They're located by. Um, Legion's Pond. Yes, uh, the, an old garage. Old Post Road. Yeah, yeah, they're they're a wonderful organization. Is there one up in Dover? Up in uh, uh, Phil's uh, neighborhood in Dover. Yeah, is there one in Dover? Uh, I don't know. Uh, we don't. That's out of my service area, so I don't know for sure. But th- there's another one in Exeter too. Am I correct? There's a very big one in Exeter, a very large one, and uh, they they actually are a satellite office for the labor. Uh, bureau, so they're much, uh, much better. I'd say better, well funded than we are. Okay. Uh, so they they uh, have expanded and do some great work in Exeter and Clio uh, and Molly. They are a run that, and uh, they get uh, they get some large contributions from Riverwoods and some some great donors there. And so an Exeter would serve would it be like that um, Exeter and. Uh Stratum and uh, yes. Greenland and um, well, Exeter is the largest uh, has the largest amount of trailer parks of the in the state of New Hampshire. I never I knew that. That's that. a stat. I Where never knew that. that. Isn't it? It's a it's a paradox, kind of like your situation. Yeah. yeah so so we have the one of the most elite prep schools in the country, uh, but we also have uh, the largest trailer parks amount of trailer i never knew that patrick until now largest well actually i have helped someone i have been in part of those trailer parks at one point but uh, it's that big huh so they have a lot of requirements too see so, so, so that's one I'm, I'm glad we have you here because my point is that we we live in, in a very affluent area if you will and uh, uh but uh exeter so if you start adding up all these so exeter's probably got to have at least maybe 1500 families or thousand families uh yeah i don't know for sure but uh they they are very busy as well so you add that up with footprints and uh and kitchery as they say yep. kitchery you know so you start adding up so there's a lot of people really kind of uh down and out very yeah uh like i said it, it's a hidden it, it's terrible because it, they're invisible to most of us patrick um uh, great point uh, we just had a break uh and um, you know, uh, one of the things that you know you can't survive just on donations from people. I mean, there's been a lot of giving from the corporate sector. Am I correct? And with in terms of the food, you, you tell me. Yes, uh, we get a substantial amount of our financial uh, donations from private citizens, and we also uh, receive money from several funds. Uh, which I probably shouldn't name, but they're they're uh, private funds that give us uh, annual amounts of money anywhere from three to five thousand dollars. But um, 
where we really uh, we depend upon are the corporate contributions of food. Uh, we get uh, weekly donations from uh, Walmart uh, in Seabrook, and we usually pick up about a pallet or two of food, depending on uh, what they give us. Uh, we also pick up weekly donations from Hannaford's in, in Hampton of meats and vegetables. Uh, and we pick up once a week from Sam's Club uh, in Seabrook, and we pick up at least two pallets of food from them. It's anywhere from uh, dry goods to uh, vegetables and uh, meats, uh, fruit, and so forth. And uh, once in a while, we'll get a call from U.S. Foods in Seabrook for pickup of, uh, of donations there. And those are mostly items, uh, paper goods, and so forth. So all of those are uh, necessary for us to, uh, to be able to, uh, to, to exist and give out the food we do. We do have access to the food bank, which is in Manchester, that sells uh, products that we don't get donated at, at a severe discount. So we're lucky there, but all of these require manpower to go uh, and a vehicle uh, to go and pick up uh, and then bring it back and it has to be unloaded and then it has to be sorted and uh, we have to pick out the, the spoiled fruit and we have to manage to put that aside and then we have to find a way to dispose of all that. So all of that requires manpower and coordination and so forth. That's it, great. Now, uh, I had a question, but did, did Will, did you have a question for Pat? Oh, no, go ahead. Okay, no, I had a question now. Um, uh, and, and this is kind of, maybe we, I hope I'm not repeating myself, but have have you seen just an increase, Patrick? You've been doing this eight years now? Twelve years. Twelve years, I'm sorry. Um, have you seen an increase in, uh, of, of people using the, the program? I mean, uh, the same visit to Paul and other. I mean, has it been increasing? I mean, since 2008. Well, during the, the recession we had, we saw it uh, about two or three months after the, the recession, uh, the crash, and so forth. We started to see a tremendous increase in what I would have called uh, middle-class people, people I would never have expected to see, people who came in uh, well-dressed, with fine health, and so forth, but who uh, either lost their job or their employment was was cut substantially uh, or uh, investments were lost and so forth. People who came in uh, looking for uh, just food to take them to the next point to because people who uh, or people came in for clothes who uh, were looking for clothes for job interviews and so forth so I'd say it lasted about nine to twelve months that we saw a tremendous influx of these people yeah. that we never would have considered to be clients of ours before uh, pulled up and nice cars, uh, well-dressed, like I said, and in good health, but just couldn't buy their food or just couldn't make the electric bill payment or thing. Uh, and uh, these were the people that were devastated for having to ask for help. Yeah, in the boom economy, it's uh, it's something else. I mean, because I don't know if you, now, Will, you're in the, 
a business of fixing up houses and that's right and that's right and and you know if you, anyone uh, uh if you anyone goes online looking for a home in the seacoast area it's it's, it's absolute unequivocal sticker shock i mean uh i don't know uh would you buy kind of distressed properties will fix I, them yeah, up sometimes yeah yeah and uh but what's which, which a distressed property now and you know do you, do you, it's i don't know what what's the typical price you would pay say for like a a three bedroom or four bedroom home you know like saying if, if you can find one in portsmouth or in this area well i think a quarter million might might get you a, some sort of a uh, shabby single family house at, but uh, that's but it would have to be uh, a tear down it, it would have to be a tear down well but pretty much yeah it's uh, I, I haven't been shopping lately so because um, I look online now in some of these houses and this is a four or five hundred thousand dollars well and and you know it looks like you look on on the on the site and they look like 1970s you know shag rugs and you know and uh, <laughs> like something out of Austin Powers yeah <laughs> you know it's just um, so well part of the problem is uh, communities make it very difficult for builders to uh, to build housing. Uh, there's so many restrictions, and they really don't want uh, uh, more families moving in with kids to going into the uh, going to the school system, which will end up costing them money. So, uh, part of the problem is uh, restrictive zoning laws. Okay, right, so but so anyhow, so my my point is, you so you have all these high cost of food now, and uh, you know uh, I'm I'm a single guy, whatever. So, uh, and you you know you have uh, one son and. Um, Many of us, it costs a lot of money to get food now, Patrick, doesn't it? Food prices. Um, I mean, I, I can ask you if you if if you guys shop, the three of you. Yeah. But if you look at the cost of fresh vegetables and fresh fruit, yeah, between this year and two years ago, it's astounding how much it's gone up. Oh yeah. Well, that's you know it's kind of well for premium fruits and vegetables. What they're not telling you is that the the fruits and vegetables that are still inexpensive are still the foods that people don't know how to cook. So it's more of you have to give them an education on cooking as well as saying you can buy these fruits and vegetables for the money that you have. Uh, my sister's doing that kind of work in Chattanooga right now. She's actually educating the clientele that use uh, food stamps on what it is when you spend your food stamps money wisely and what you can get and how you can cook it. Right. For example, we got a case of tomatillos. Which tomatillos? Right. Wait, wait, exactly. That, that green tomato. Border? I know. It's a green tomato. <laughs> is that a green tomato? So we, kind of. it's we close. It's a small green tomato. Yeah. So like you were saying, what we had to do is we had to have a small uh, clinic. Um, what to do with tomatillos, how to cook them, what they're good for, how, how to prepare them, and so forth. But I had never seen a tomatillo, or uh, there's a, they sell tubers, uh, tu tuber uh, uh, vegetables that come from South Central America. They don't go well in, in either Walmart or Hannaford's because we get tons of them. But Quixote, uh, uh, they're called. Uh, so it's a learning experience for us but once we uh, we know what the vegetable does and how to cook it and so forth, I mean it, it's a great alternative to for somebody who's does, can't afford a, a more expensive item. So we offer kind of clinical cooking uh, tips 
do we give to these people when we say, uh, I know you didn't select tomatillos, <laughs> but this is what you can do with a tomatillo, and then we give them a list of items and so forth, and then they, they say, okay, we'll take them. So you can so, get creative with them, yeah. yeah. Do you ever go on nature hikes and uh, educate uh, what's on tr- certain trails? Because I know that I have some chef friends of mine who go out and walk, and they find certain herbs and spices that you can only find in this area. Yeah. We, um, do you do that kind of thing with your no, as well? No. I think our hands are full with just doing <laughs> Oh, right on. I'm just saying the next step of, you know, education. Yeah. And, I mean, there's a ton of free growth everywhere. Very and true. My wife just took a handful of mint the other day, and I made mint tea with it. Yeah, yeah. that's wonderful. You're right. A lot more is available. A lot is education. But these people are worried about paying for their car payment and uh, feeding their kids, getting their kids to school. Uh, so that's their number one priority, I think. We did a show on car loans and payday loans. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> what? Okay. Oh, man, the reaction in the room oh, yeah. is just like, let's bring this to a halt. <laughs> if anything should be illegal, that should be. Well, it's, yeah, it's, uh, what's your question? Well, I mean, do you see people uh, burdened yeah. by these uh, yes. unfair loans? Yes, and what we try to do is uh, we try t- as much as we can to try to find a way to pay off that loan because, uh, as you know, it, it's it's a sinkhole. Uh, you just get in there and uh, they're ending up paying the interest on the interest that they took you know for three months ago it, it's there's no way out of them that once they get sucked into one of these title for title T- for, title yeah for, go to seabrook yeah title yeah, title for cash yeah they, they, they'll never ever get out of them they, they we could see it we could see their income is never going to be enough to pay off the interest well, we had an author on here um who, who wrote gary rivlin yeah gary Rivlin, and he um he said you should, if you possibly can, set aside 500 bucks, and just keep that uh, as a as a cushion, and uh, that'll that's enough to keep you out of payday loan country. Yeah, well, yeah, but who has a cushion of 500 dollars if you're already investigating the pro- possibility of a payday loan? You, you, that 500 dollars right. of a cushion needs to be spent on your kid's shoes and on your kid's you know milk fund or whatever. Yes. So you so you help people out. That's great. I didn't know that, Patrick, because you know I'm I'm very passionate about that. But uh, uh, you know what you know what the typical uh, what, what do you see title loans or payday loans? Yeah. The the since we do Seabrook, we see a lot of those payday loan the uh, title loans. title loans. So uh, it, it just it just is so frustrating to see the situation, especially as being a lawyer. I can see how crooked these contracts are written up i mean they're legal but they're just inhuman they are well then this is when you know we have the economic warrior show because to me i mean i'm no saint but this stuff is it's not moral i mean what would you think phil will nope it's not moral at all and because you know what you know what the average you know what the interest rate is on a a typical uh um title loan pack 20 some odd no Thirty. Well, it's higher. Were you 40? talking APR? That's a. It's about three to four hundred percent per year. Oh God! Because it's, a, it's a, done over such a short period of time. Yeah, and that's why we we try to get them out of the contract by just satisfying the debt if we can. Uh, but if they've been in it for 
you know, months, there's no way you can pay it off because the interest rate's so high that the amount they owe now on the original loan, they you know, they borrow 400 and they owe, you know, 2,000, 3,000. It says a typical borrower receives cash equal to 26% of a car's value and pays an annual percentage rate of 300%. I don't and know. And that's how, average. I don't know how those owners of those businesses can sleep at night. Barry, do you know anybody? On a mattress full of money, sir. That's exactly how they sleep, is on a mattress full of money and yeah. no family and no friends, and they're comforted by the greenbacks and not by human interaction in a community. Yep, but they need to get wholesale funding. You know who they get the wholesale funding from? They get it from, you know, J.P. Morgan, wow. uh, Wells Fargo, you know. The, they keep these companies running. Deutsche Bank. Yeah, Deutsche Bank, yeah. yeah so it's just, uh, yeah, so that this. a mispronunciation. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Uh, let's, let's Deutsche Bank, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. But, oh, by the way, Deutsche Bank was one of the one of the key lenders on C-Drill that just went bankrupt. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, but Deutsche Bank, yeah. They're crazy Germans, but... Well, Patrick, uh, now, now you come... I mean, people come to you, and they come for help, and uh, you see them when, they're, when they need help, but... Um, you probably don't see them when when they're on their feet again. Or do you have any? Do people come by once? Do you in have a success stories? We we have a couple of people who do write letters uh, and say thank you. Uh, I now have a job, uh, and uh, thanks to you, I was able to maintain my house, and uh, everything's fine. But you know, we don't do it for the for the pat on the back yeah. and it's rare that people really acknowledge it so uh well, i mean it's I, tough when you're it, it's definitely tough when you're asking for help and do you go back to the people to thank them for their yeah. help you thank them once and you don't go back and you volunteer there because you're reminded of the time when you needed that help that's right was it you say you help save someone's house that's pretty good yeah, yeah. because you know that one mortgage where they were you know they defaulted and uh, you know they have 30 days, and then they they wait the 30 days. So now they're at 60 days, and then they get the foreclosure notice, and that's another 30 days. So now they're 120 days out. So they know it's coming, you know. But they got a job interview, you know. So, but they have no leverage to forestall the foreclosure because the job hasn't been. They don't have the job yet. They just have the job interview. So if we can make that last payment to foreclose. Uh, the foreclosure, then they get the job interview, then they can go back to the bank and say, listen, I do have a job now, I do have income, and that saves the house. Did you ever have someone that uh, came for help and then later on volunteered? Yes, we we do have a couple of people that... Yeah, uh, that's awesome, you know, so that's a success story, you know, and... uh, Oh, they're very grateful. I think it's, it's, I'd like to believe it's human nature that once you've received uh, that help and you, you've been relieved of a situation that you couldn't have gotten out of without help, that you want to give back. Yeah, that's, yeah. Or some, most of the times people pay it forward. Like they'll, they'll take from what they got and then they'll go somewhere I, else. And, I hope so, yeah. yeah. You'd like to think that, that that's part of a, a, the good nature of humans that yeah. we are. <laughs> Well, yeah, and, and Patrick, you know, and uh, just a little, uh, you know, a kudos to you. I, 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 you've been a friend, but I, I have tr- tremendous mad- admiration for what you're doing. I mean, you're still doing mergers and acquisition work. Yes, but less and less. Uh, it's uh, now I'm in the background on it because uh, this is a uh, full-time, part-time job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it just sucks in so much of your time. You know, we looked at um, some of the. Uh, pay rates, pay scales, or 
we, we check the nine form nine nine each uh, the tax forms of some of the um, charitable organizations around here, and some of them, uh, some of the people running those organizations take in you know multi million dollar salaries. How, how much you take in? We take. Wow. Uh, we're totally volunteer. So uh, there's no salaries paid. All the volunteers are uh, are doing it out of their own uh, goodness of their heart. So uh, our budget uh, is well. I'll tell you, the money we have in the bank is only about thirty thousand. So um, all we do is really take in food uh, and donations and give it right back out. So we were able to get a new van thanks to a special fundraising. Uh, which was uh, money that was it was thirty thousand dollars donated by about ten or fifteen uh, specific donors that allowed us to go and pick up uh, pallets of food, which allowed us to give out more and healthier food to people. Now, most importantly, Patrick, and I'm, I'm going to keep your feet to the fire on this one. How can they find out more about? How can they reach you? Well, uh, unfortunately, right now, our website's down because the credit card I used, and it's my fault, uh, had expired, and oh, I didn't man. give them the I'm new so sorry, credit card. sorry, because I was, I was thinking, oh, their web guy's probably working on it this morning. No. Or, or so, so I apologize for having that thought that it was not your fault, but it is your fault. It is my fault. I, I, I mean, went to it last night. I ignored, uh, I ignored the emails from uh, GoDaddy that said your credit card needs to be renewed. Uh, but uh, it's... Uh, St. Vincent de Paul uh, in Hampton and any St. Vincent de Paul organization should be supported because uh, there's no paid staff there. We're, we're, we're purely volunteer, and uh, the people who work there just give their time to try to help those that need it more than we do. And that's what we like to try to do here on the, the Economic Warrior Show. Uh, my name is Barry James Dyke. Um, if you want to find out more about me, uh, you go to barryjamesdyke.com. Um, also, um, there's, there's some uh, spiel I'm supposed to give at the end of the show, Phil. Uh, listen to past shows on SoundCloud and connect with The Economic Warrior himself on Facebook at facebook.com slash theeconomicwarrior. Yeah, something like that. And uh, thank you, Phil, for keeping me uh, legal. And uh, uh, Patrick, thank you so much. Uh, we uh, we uh, we support you. and. Uh, and the radio stations is kind of the same way. We're all volunteers, you know? Yeah, no one's getting paid. No one's getting paid, but uh, uh, we're just trying to push back the frontiers of ignorance. <laughs> yeah. You know? You know. So let's, we hopefully we'll do it again next Wednesday. And uh, thank you, and God bless, and have a great day. This has been The Economic Warrior with your host, Barry James Dyke. Broadcast live at WSCA Portsmouth Community Radio. Engineered by Phil Kleiger. If you have any questions about today's show or need an ally in conquering the battleground of finance, contact the warrior himself at barryjamesdyke.com. Who are the wolves?